Let's do it. Do it, do it, do it. Oh my God, it's so hot here. Not to be that podcast person that's like yelling on a medium where like people are in a lot of different places potentially. I'm so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was warm today. It actually cooled down to here. It like cold rained, which in my mind Ooh. that sig- signals fall. Yeah, I was like, there was a day that I needed a jacket. Fall. (laughs) (laughs) Fall is here. Fall is here, even though it's obviously still August and it was like super hot today. So I mean, it's barely still August, though. It's barely still August. School's back in session. Halloween decorations are out. It's true. I've started looking for Halloween costumes. And cat Halloween costumes? Yeah, duh. Well, duh. Do you want to take this opportunity to introduce everyone to your amazing costume idea for the month of October? My amazing costumes idea? Yes, exactly what I meant. (laughs) So I'm slow moving on this, so I don't know if it's actually going to happen. Because I've been very lazy. And also, I feel like this is this is going to end up being very expensive. (laughs) (laughs) But if I can pull my life together, I have been pondering the idea of doing 31 costumes and trying to get away with them at work. Guys, isn't that hilarious and amazing? I laughed so hard when I heard that. (laughs) But, like, subtle costumes. So, like, you're not going to be, like... Super subtle costumes, yeah. So, just as background, I work in a non-profit office. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, I can't be wearing, like, crazy get-ups all the time. Although, they probably wouldn't care. I mean, they certainly don't seem to care about like tattoos or nose piercings so I'm sure they would be forgiving of like a number of different like weird costumey things that I could try to pull you know what you could also branch into kind of like remember that one year for uh I think it was Christmas I gave you like you know like on Pinterest where they have those boards that are like you know you know what I'm talking about yeah, that's what I've been thinking. The kind of like, what's it called where people go to Disney and you're not allowed to dress up as the characters. So they kind of like do the like influenced by where you just like wear the same colors. Yeah, you wear the, yeah. So for Hel- or, uh, Christmas a couple of years ago, I gave Julia, it was like a Pinterest, you know, like sometimes you see like the, like things inspired by like the supernatural characters. And so it's like, you know, pants and like cute boots and everything that kind of like, like is in that same style but isn't necessarily like an actual full costume 
Yeah. So I was, I already have like a bunch of ideas lined up and they range from like super easy, like Sabrina, which is obviously like, you know, just wear like a black skirt and a red sweater and like a black headband and you're golden. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like super easy to make office appropriate and is like a normal cute outfit. Sure. Um, to like Britney Spears toxic like glitter see-through bodysuit which I was like I want to make this into an office appropriate Halloween costume and I have some ideas so we'll see um excuse me pause hold on oh toxic I was okay no there were multiple bodysuits because I was like excuse me that was a red bodysuit but I am actually incorrect because that was that was because I did it again yes excuse me I am so sorry I was thinking I could do like early, like innocent Britney costume where it's like, you know, the jean skirt and like the the tank top with like a I don't know, what is she wearing? Like a red like button up, like short sleeve button up shirt. Yeah, like a cardigan. Yeah. yeah. And then I could do like scandalous Britney where she is coming into her own and wearing something totally office inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So. Well, you know what you should do? You should do the, the, you know, totally inappropriate Britney at the very end. If you guys have like a, you know, office Halloween party or whatever. And then at the end, when everyone's like, oh my God, your costume, you could be like, Bitches, I've been dressing up this whole month. I've and like, been wearing and... Halloween costumes the whole time. Yep, and then just tell everyone all of your your themes in hindsight. Although they might look at you like you're crazy if you like afterwards are disclosing to everyone. But I just think it would be fun not to tell them. <laughs> I definitely plan on not telling them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, also as background. I- I am, like, frequently the only one in my office. <laughs> so, so I'm not you can even do sure whatever you want. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it would matter half the time. <laughs> but that's part of the, like, you know, roulette of it is that, you know, you could decide to wear a big costume one day and that's the day that your boss comes in. But yeah, and I'm like, oh, God, what am I wearing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, should we, can we tell people that they can, uh, they can give you ideas if you need any more ideas? Yeah, absolutely. I do need some new ideas because some of them definitely won't work. (laughs) Oh my God. Can you do like cat ideas? Like, could you do like. I was thinking Cheshire cat would be pretty easy. I could wear like purple pants and maybe like a pink striped shirt. Ooh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, I don't really know how I would do any sort of like ear or tail features in an office in in an office appropriate way, right? Without like totally getting called out for wearing ears and a tail, right? Right. But I feel like there's a way to kind of like maybe do my hair in like a couple of top buns. It just wouldn't be the right color. Oh sure, yeah sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Those cute little two top buns on the side. That'd be Mm -hmm. cute. Yeah, my hair's not really long enough to do that at the moment, but I could maybe make it work. Oh, well, speaking of haircuts, this is completely off topic, but I just got a haircut that, like, on one side, I love so much, and on the other side, it looks very momish. <laughs> oh, no! That's I mean, the not worst. our momish, just, like, momish in general. 
yeah, that's the worst where it's like super uneven and you're like, did I want this? Is this trendy? I Do I hate it? <laughs> well, she did the thing too where like my hair was pretty even all around and I was like, oh, I just want it like, you know, the hair the same length, but like the side part shaved like in the way that it had been before. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, of course. How do you feel about layers? And usually because my hair is so short, that means the back. And so I was like, oh yeah, layers are fine. I've had like layers in there before that just helps it like, you know, not grow out as mm-hmm. quickly or whatever. And then she did the thing where she just started cutting in the front and she did the front part so short, so fast that I was like, I, I, what just happened? I know I like literally can't say anything because if I do it's like it doesn't matter because she already cut the like it's you know front, front part yeah so I have these like weird layers on the one side where usually I just have like a big like swoop and so I'm like kind of missing my like although it is so hot it is kind of nice not like having even less hair than usual <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah <sighs> yeah I, I also had a hair mishap recently. I just got it fixed. This is like after probably six months of not wearing my hair down. Oh, <laughs> no. It was so bad. But yeah, I went into the salon and I sat down and I was like, so the last lady like went a little happy with the razor in back and like razored some layers into my hair. And she was like, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but you actually have like a hole, like there's a gap in your Whoa! hair <laughs> back here oh my that God. I saw immediately. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I've definitely been walking around with that for six months. <laughs> oh my God. That's, it's crazy. Like, I feel like I have not had, even with the same hair hair cutter like hair person I have not had the same haircut twice in a row it's crazy how that happens I have not gotten to the same hair person twice in a row recently <laughs> because well, I'm not just... anymore it doesn't matter apparently not anymore yeah yeah no that's the that's the worst I'm actually looking I'm on the hunt for Ooh. for new everything in Baltimore I found a dentist that I love Ugh. Yeah, I know. It's terrible, but she's great. Hairstylist, still up in the air. I've gone to three of them. Hated one. Two were, like, mediocre. I hate finding new everything. I know. It's the worst. But exciting news. I don't think I've even told you this yet. Uh, We have a new patron. (gasps) Ooh, new patron! We have another new patron! Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Welcome to the Per Trim Club. Woo. The Per Team. The Per Team. Yeah. Um, it's so fun because she's actually been, uh, I've seen, you know, her, she's posted online to us before and um, she just, just uh, this month decided to be a Pertrin and oh. we're so thankful and her yeah. name is Vicky. So welcome, Vicky. Woo. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Um, she also has a fur baby named Paco. Oh, Paco. Paco. Apparently, Paco is a rescue tabby and is celebrating oh. his 13th birthday in January. Oh, love it. Yeah. Um, she also messaged and said this was really cool. Um, so remember a while ago when Anchor released that feature that was like, hey, you can send podcasts voice memos like voice messages now and so we did like a little ad for that a while back no I Uh. have no idea (laughs) (laughs) well Vicky was listening to that episode 
And apparently you can, I mean, that's like a new feature. Like I had, you know, looked into that, but we didn't get any. And so Vicky was saying she's going to send us a voice memo with Paco's origin story for us. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh my God. We should also do a quick little shout out to Katie, our one of our other patrons, because she sent us the most amazing. I just sent you a, a picture of the amazing bookmarks that she made for us. Yeah, I saw those. Those are beautiful. Oh, that was so cute. I'm already using mine in the cat who went into the closet. John also already absconded with a Murphy one because he saw Murphy and he was like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry though, I still have two for you. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, that's really exciting. Thank you, Katie. And thank you, Vicky. And yeah, just thank you guys all for listening. Oh, also, welcome to Paranormal Captivity. <laughs> welcome to Paranormal Captivity. Oh, God, it's our our tradition yes. to say our name too late. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't think I have any kind of segue into the book today, but should we start talking about the book? Yeah, but first I want to just complain a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, always. <laughs> yeah great if that's Uh, not what having your own podcast is for I don't know what it is (laughs) yes so I have been having a gross problem recently and I (laughs) oh no (laughs) no I think it's from a combination of several things um Mm -hmm. first of all Chuni has not been around this month he's on vacation at the farm in Florida I mean, oh my god. The oh farm my god, hello? <laughs> you combined, like, all the lies that parents have told their kids over the years of, like, oh, you're captain. Oh, god. No, Junie is still alive. Junie is with her parents. Junie is still alive. Yeah. Um, yeah, throwback to childhood. We don't have a farm in Florida anymore, but we used to. <laughs> That's true, we did. <laughs> Our farm is now in Virginia. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Junia has been away on vacation, having some, like, last-minute summer fun. Super happy for him. But (laughs) the the bugs in my apartment have, like, tripled since then. Oh, God. Why are you bringing this up? I've been, like, oh, my God. I've been, like, putting all of the good vibes into the world that my ant infestation won't come back. And I just know as soon as we talk about this, they're going to come back. You're going to bring them back to my apartment. You're going to bring the ants back. How dare you? Well, these aren't ants. They're actually cockroaches. And I'm horrified because I lived in this apartment almost a full year. And I've seen like two small cockroaches that Chuni immediately hunted and ate. Oh, God. recently since he's been gone i've had three this week and i think it's because a it's getting cold outside but b it's because they know he's not here anymore i think one of them came out and made it back alive and told everyone else oh my god you gotta get chuny back i have to get chuny back i think (laughs) are you going home tomorrow just get your cat back yeah no i'm bringing him him home tomorrow i'm picking him up um or this weekend but yeah i yeah that's my that's my complaint if you don't have a good hunter in your house this is what could happen to you and if anyone has suggestions on how to like make mushu hunt better (laughs) 
he's useless and actually he let one of my cockroaches go no like not only does he not hunt them he like (laughs) helps them escape oh my god what a traitor i know he's the worst so yeah if anyone has suggestions on a how to deal with cockroaches more bravely and (laughs) humanely than letting them like dehydrate underneath cups for you know three days in a row that doesn't sound great you made the segue into the book even harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did we even read this time? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we can cut this out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> just needed to get it out there. <laughs> I just needed to get it out there. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. I just needed to talk about it. Oh. And also get advice on how to kill Congress. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put that out there. If anyone has advice on that. Let Julia know she's drowning in, cro- in cockroaches. Ugh. Gross, 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 gross. <laughs> so, should we talk about the book? Yeah, where do we even start? <laughs> well, guys, we are reading, still, The Cat Who Went Into the Closet. And we, are, we read uh, chapters, what was it, 10 through 15? up to 16 yes up to 16 yeah so let's see oh yeah we left it on kind of a cliffhanger in that uh Quillerin's Quillerin's Florida crush or maybe vice versa the person who has a crush on Quillerin uh Euphonia Gage's Grandma Gage uh the person who found Grandma Gage uh, after she died uh Celia I think Celia Robert Robinson is that her name yes you don't know <laughs> no i don't <laughs> so quilleran has called this woman a few times to get more information on the circumstances of um grandma gage's death and so celia has sent photos to quilleran now of grandma gage and it just so happens that there are other people from the park of pink sunsets retirement home in the picture and dun 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 some of them look familiar Ooh, but we don't know from where. We don't know. Quillerin doesn't know. Coco's been licking the pictures, but that's about all we get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's where we left it. Um, chapter 10 starts with the big snow being threatened, as it is in like most of these books. Yes. There's like a Moose County tradition where the big snow, all of the, everyone calls it the big snow and is saying like, oh, the big snow's coming this year. And I didn't quite realize, but it turns out in this book, they kind of describe it a little bit more that like, kind of the joke in the other books has been that the big snow like never really happens the way that the newscasters say it's going to. But this time, Nick Bamba actually tells Quillerin like, yeah, you know, they always over-exaggerate it, but like some years it's really that bad and like it just hasn't been that bad in the years that you've lived here so far but we're probably due for that and so we kind of get a little ominous big snow news at the beginning just that like everyone's kind of like stockpiling food and like is really thinking that this year is gonna be like the big blizzard snow mm-hmm. so what does uh Quillerin do before the big snow he takes his cat on a walk yeah Well, not really a walk. He takes his cat on a car ride. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was 
funny. He was getting ready to leave the house and Coco just jumps up and like paws the door and he's like, all right, yeah, hop in the car. <laughs> yeah, sure. You can come. Great. I forget where he goes first. I know where he goes second. The church? Oh, yeah. He hasn't done that performance yet. Yeah. He goes to the church because he has a, a show booked at a, at a church that's like kind of on the outskirts of Pickaxe. It's in Burr. Oh, is it in Burr? It is in Burr. Well, that's very fitting for what happens later at that it's church. Ch- church Burr. Church Burr. <laughs> so he, as he's done before, he goes to like scout out the location and, you know, find his little dressing room and the place where he's going to enter and exit from. And so he sets everything up. But while he's there, it's like so cold and the furnace has been out. And we also get another little little look see into the life of Gil Inchpot, the missing potato farmer, because he apparently went to this church and he was the reason that uh, because he was missing, he w- he did a lot of um, handiwork for the church and so because he's missing uh, the the church wasn't able to find someone fast enough to fix the furnace, so they're still waiting for someone to come out, and so it's like far reasoning cold there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, shout out to Lillian Jackson Braun for writing in a lady pastor. Oh, I fucking love that part. That was my favorite part. Quillen does his like, you know, old timey like, oh, well, like, you know, will your pastor be introducing me? And she goes, I'm the pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I loved that. Yeah. Good work, LJB. Yes. Um, So he does another, we get another pretty big thing that happens pretty fast because the next thing that he does while he's on the same drive so he coco he has um he has left coco in the car while he's in the church but he has also like what does he do i think he like cracks the windows a little bit and then like blasts the heat or something or he just like closes the car and like leaves it so that the heat like stays in the car yeah i think he he like wraps the basket in a blanket and Oh, yeah. Yeah. Leaves the car. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Also, call me crazy, but I'm not as worried about cars getting cold as fast as they get too hot. Oh, yeah. I think 100% that is probably true. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it wasn't even, I mean, he was there for probably like, it seems like 10, 15 minutes, like not long at all. Yeah. Um, and so when he's done at the church, he decides to take a drive out to, you may remember from a previous book, I forget which one, um, <laughs> but Coileran also has inherited a um, a log cabin from the Klingenschkone Fund. So it's like this cabin on the outskirts of, you know, their county. Um, that's kind of like the rusticy like cabin to... Yeah. And apparently he lived there for a couple of summers i don't remember him living in a cabin yeah i don't either i was wondering if that was in one of the early books that we skipped to get to the cat who talked to ghosts (laughs) yeah i think i think we read one before the cat who talked to ghosts but i think the one before that one before the one that we started with was the one where he actually inherited the money and i think that's probably where he ends up in that cabin We'll have to do a big, like, backtrack someday and, like, read the ones, those books, especially, but, like, especially the one where he inherits all the money, because now that we see him, we've seen him both rich and poor, and it, 
it'll be interesting to see what he was like actually inheriting the money like mm-hmm. during that real, process real cranky about it oh i mean a hundred percent i would expect <laughs> nothing else <laughs> yeah complains about being poor complains about being rich just can't make him happy no he is a very incontent uncontent uncontent non-content yeah. he's very grumpy uh-huh. <laughs> um but yeah so we get another big crimey clue coming up here pretty fast because quillerin uh tells coco he gets in the car and he's like you know what we should go check on the cabin just to make sure it's all you know winter winterized and you know ready for the big snow if that does happen so they go to the cabin and as soon as they pull into the the driveway coco starts flipping out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like running up and down the length of the car and like pawing at the windows um and then quiller and i think he even sees sees this from the car um but he actually finds a body no not a body not a body Um, property and i was thinking too this is actually the same property that i forget exactly who it was but one of the other criminals from a previous book actually ran and hijacked his cabin at one point or like tried to do you remember that oh kind of vaguely yeah i had forgotten it until this happened and then i was like is this the second like mysterious thing that's happened on quillerin's cabin property does everyone just know that quillerin's like not there most of the time so (laughs) probably (laughs) like a vacant vacant crimey space Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah he and i think quiller makes a very questionable choice because he phone he does immediately phone it in to the police but he doesn't tell any he doesn't identify himself he even fakes his oh my god can we talk about how many times quillerin like puts on a different voice in this like not even for the play i know he's done a bunch of different voices for the play but so many times in his real life in this book, he fakes voices, like puts on an accent or like pretends he's someone else. Like, I think Lillian Jackson Brown just got a little carried away with herself, like during the, you know, kind of showing that he could do that for the play and then was like, oh, I'm going to use this in the mystery now. Yeah, I think Quillerin got a little carried away with himself, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel like he discovered a talent that he maybe knew he had but had like forgotten he had and now yeah. all of a sudden he's like oh people are complimenting me on this I can actually trick people with my multiple voices yeah well I think he technically technically commits a small crime here because he calls in the the body that he's found but he uses a fake voice as like a like a sort of like it sounds like a sort of a simple like kind of country farmer-ish type voice so he doesn't have to identify himself. And so he just is like, I think it even has like a sentence there where it's like, you know, kind of a little like hillbilly type accenty situation. Well, I'm trying happening. to pretend that he's like a, a hunter that just stumbled on the property. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So he's pretending to, yeah, be a stereotypical, like what people would think a hunter sounds like. But yeah, I, he it said he didn't want to be identified because a it was like his property, but also he's like has such a high profile. He didn't want it to be like he didn't want to become not 
anonymous and he was worried that even if he called it in and was like I want to stay anonymous it would get out anyway oh which yeah. I guess like kind so. of makes sense I'm not sure if that's illegal or not yeah that's true I guess maybe t- like phoning in tips is not technically like you don't have to I think necessarily in, yeah anonymous yes yeah. it's still kind of, I mean especially for him a it's not really something he's worried about before like I know that he's worried about his like reputation with Polly and with women, but I don't know that he's at like he's always just phoned in. I actually expected after this happened, I expected him to go to Andrew Brody, the the one police officer in town, mm-hmm. and uh, like go to him and be like, "Hey, this happened," you know, and kind of do it quietly. But he didn't even do that. No, yeah, he totally steered clear of it. Yeah. just wait, waited for the news to break and be like, oh, God, a body. Oh, yeah. Tell me the news. Yeah. He didn't even tell people when they were, like, calling him. Like, Polly called him and Arch called him. And he didn't even tell either of them. Yeah. I mean, he really wanted to steer clear of it. I know. He's such a sneak. Yeah. Well, so that body is eventually discovered to be Gil Inchpot. Mm-hmm. which is very sad but it is sad so we we don't know what happened yet but that the missing persons aspect of that mystery is at least wrapped up he is no longer missing yeah which is very sad and obviously very sad for um nancy fincher who is our uh resident unfortunately looks and is described very young and also still mildly sexually which is gross Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're uh, so after the news breaks, I think we see her a little bit more with her ex-husband, mm. um, who is a police officer in Burr. Um, He's a sheriff's deputy, actually. Oh, a sheriff's deputy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Burr. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had kind of split and it's rumored that the the family relationships probably weren't super ideal and so we're suspicious of him and everyone's saying like oh now that her dad's out of the way they'll probably get back together so we'll right. see we'll see what happens with that that is another part of the mystery that has yet to unfold yeah cuz we're suspicious of him but we're also led to believe at a different point that their dad or their dad her dad was actually sort of instrumental in breaking them up Mm -hmm. so we're also a little suspicious that R.I.P. not to talk ill of the dead the fictional dead but apparently according to I think the bartender at the um the bar where Quilleran did a play a, a, a version of his play the Gil Inchpot was also not the greatest guy either. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of unclear where that lands. I think Julia and I, I think we mused a while last episode, maybe that like, it does seem like we met Dan once last episode and he was just very like quiet and kind of surly and like, didn't really engage with Quillerin at all. And like, obviously Obviously, like, as introverts here, we are not throwing suspicion on just any introvert or someone who doesn't talk, but we are kind of led to believe that he's maybe a little bit suspicious and 
could conceivably have killed Gil Inchpot to get Nancy back. I mean, only time will tell. We also got, I don't know if we mentioned this last time. I think we might have really briefly. These two mysteries uh, kind of intertwine a little bit just in the one point at Nancy with Nancy's family because it turns out that Nancy's mom was the housekeeper for Grandma Gage. Yeah, and Grandma Gage was very fond of that family, both the mom as a housekeeper, but also in in her own way, Nancy as a child. I don't think Grandma Gage was like super child friendly, it didn't sound like. Yeah. But she did uh like every Christmas give Nancy a present. And so I think there was like a friendly relationship there. Yeah, definitely. Nancy definitely seems to remember her fondly even if she has stories of like oh yeah she always gave me these Christmas presents which was really nice but like it kind of seemed it was like the tone of like but they were always kind of lame presents and it wasn't exactly what I wanted (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is fine I mean it's still nice and it's not like you know she's you're a you know mom's employer it's not like Uh, she's right the out of touch old lady present yeah 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 exactly like doesn't know what children want (laughs) right (laughs) So what else? Oh, we get Grandma Gage's funeral this If you segment. can call it that. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, it, it ends up being more of like a musical production. A concerto? Yeah. In C? Right. Yeah, it's very elaborate from the start. They like, so Junior, you know, calls Quiller and then it's like, are you coming to the to the funeral and uh, I don't think really gives any indication that it's going to be as unique and unusual as it is Um, well he does say that grandma Gage has planned everything to a T like she even uh, had like the flowers planned and like shipped in from you know whatever they were shipped in from like every little minute detail was like specified in her instructions in her will interesting in kind of the same way that last episode she was like we well a we found out that she didn't give the money her inheritance to junior or any of his siblings like she said that she was going to but in also the same way that she was like kind of giving yeah what else was it that she had done she basically she was making choices that was like that were like fuck you choices oh because she was like there will be no bagpipes at my funeral which was a fuck you to andrew brody because andrew brody played plays bagpipes at apparently like every funeral and wedding like in pickaxe mm-hmm. everywhere yeah she knew her community she knew what kind of funeral she would get if she didn't get those instructions laid out so right <laughs> she she knew what she wanted that's true yeah maybe she just knew exactly like i do not love bagpipes i do not want that right. what i do love are italian concertos yeah so we get a funeral that's like not I wouldn't even call it a funeral. Like, I don't even know if there was a casket there. I think it was more of, like, a memorial service. Yeah, yeah, that's I guess. Yeah, so, like, everyone gathered and, like, there was, like, a stage with, like, a, like, throne in the middle that was, like, draped (laughs) in, like, purple flowers. And um, there were, like, readings of poetry and like yeah italian like operas or Uh like orchestra performances yeah and yeah it just went on like that all night long and everyone was like whoa 
All right. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone was like initially really taken aback and then very quickly like bored because they were like, this is so much. I think it was like really over the top too and like, yeah, long. And so I think everyone was kind of like, okay, we're ready for this to be done. But then it kind of kept going and going. Yeah. Yeah. And Quillerin, Quillerin went with Polly and Polly is sophisticated enough in the music scene to like understand all of it and Quillerin was just sitting there like yup another like orchestra performance I hate this <laughs> right well and I think it was even Polly or maybe it was someone else said um or no oh it was someone else who was it oh no it was Polly because Polly had some weirdness with Grandma Gage too where like I think Polly or Polly had said that Grandma Gage was on her library board at one point um, and like, I can't remember the exact beef that they had, but they had some small beef like between them. And I think it was Polly that was like, oh my gosh, this is just the ultimate, like her, almost the whole thing all together was kind of a fuck you to everyone just to be like, like, what did she call it? She called it like the ultimate snot, like snobbery or something like that, that like mm-hmm. kind of involved like, oh, like, look at me. I'm so much like higher culturally than all of you or something yeah and like through the performances with like the poetry and the stage setup they're like did she consider herself royalty like look at that right. throne <laughs> right there's like this huge weird chair that like i guess was in grandma gage's house but yeah the chair is just up there and no one's sitting in it larry landspeak like narrates the whole thing in like poems and yeah it's like a whole thing yeah, but what they did find out, or what Quillerin kind of, like, looked into afterwards, um, the poem that was read was, like, a little bit suspicious in terms of, like, Grandma Gage's love life. Yeah. So that's that set Quillerin on a path of, like, this definitely was about a long-lost lover, and it was definitely not about Grandpa Gage. So, like, yeah. who was it about? So he found... Um, and this was like later on in the, the section, so I'm not sure if we're really here yet, but I don't know if it matters. No, no, yeah, I think we're but good. But to... he found some um, like letters or journal entries about a time when she, Grandma Gage, was like living on someone else's farm. Like, I can't remember yeah. why, but she had been like sent away or had gone away for a couple of summers and apparently had a steamy love affair with uh some other farm person in like the next town over yep yeah well because that's in the same in the cabinet or the closet that's been locked this whole time and one of the big things we get kind of midway through this section is that nick bomba comes over oh because basically all of (laughs) All of pickaxes like in a in a tizzy to like get all of their chores done before the snow flies, quote unquote. And so one of the big things that's happening is that uh, Lori Bamba is trying to finish all of Quillerin's correspondence before the snow flies because she's his uh, remote secretary. And so she, Lori Bamba, sends Nick over with to Quillerin's with all of her, his uh, you know fan letters and like paperwork and everything. And so Nick comes over and previously, the previous time he had been there, he had promised to bring back his lock pick kit to pick the lock for Quillerin and for Coco because Coco has been excavating every other closet and has been very offended that he could not get into this closet. Yeah, Coco's real excited to get into this closet. He's ready. On top of which, I think it was last chapter that we get, I, I hope we mentioned it last time or maybe it isn't this one. 
I think it was with the will reading, though, because when Quillerin mentions that locked closet to Junior, Junior says, oh, yeah, there's nothing in there. Grandma Gage told me to burn everything in there. Which, if someone tells you to burn everything, that means there's some juicy fucking shit that in there. Means you there's can... something suspicious you want to read. Yes. I mean, listen, if someone asks me to burn if someone asks me to burn anything of theirs, I will do it, but I will probably read every single word before <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, you can't burn something without knowing what it is first. The curiosity will eventually eat you up inside. <laughs> right. I think it's just healthy. You have to do it. You have Otherwise, to curiosity know. will kill you, like the proverbial cat. Yeah. So uh, Nick Bamba does come over and unlock the door and it's not immediately super juicy because it's all just papers flying every which way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is where Quillerin finds one of the, so there was a portion of the poem read during the service, but then there's a longer version of the poem that Quillerin finds in the closet. Or I think Coco finds because Coco is now dragging out like bits of paper from the closet. Yeah, well, Coco also finds the ring of Grandma Gage's secret lover. So oh, we yeah. Have, we have a name from, well, we have a name from a, like, love letter. And then we have initials from the ring. So yeah. we're we're working on an identification of this mystery man. And Quillerin's barking up a lot of wrong trees because the initials are um, WK. And so we haven't quite you know gotten into any w's yet although i did notice that the lawyer that um that junior talks about wilmot that's a w it's w right there that is w well quillerin immediately suspects the the guy that grandma gage was kind of had a little romance with in um sunset whatever the retirement community yeah yeah because the name was like almost exactly the same, except he spelled his with a C instead of a K. And I can't remember what the name was. It was like Cerberus or something. No. Like <laughs> like that. No, it was had a no or crit. Well, it had to be a K sound because it started with a K. But it was like something that could be both a C or a K. And he spelled his with a C. But you it was like something. Yeah, tell me. But it was something, like, weird enough that it was, like, kind of suspicious that it was the exact same name, just a different letter. At least in, in yeah, my mind. it was Crocus. Crocus. Okay. Yeah, like the flower. or like. Oh, the, uh, yeah, that's right. Which, like, you don't normally spell that with a K, but Quillerin was kind of being like, but you can spell it with a K, but then mm-hmm. he basically gets confirmation that that you that this person doesn't. Um, because you've been talking an unusual last name I feel like I've heard it before yeah I mean not often for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know I'm still a little suspicious that there's that it could somehow be him two, two romances in Grandma Gage's life of the same name well it's not the same name though it's the same name just a different no. letter. No, it's not the same name. I mean, the same last name. I don't think it is. No, I think he was trying to fit that peg into a hole. I don't think they have a name yet. I think they just have the initials. No, they had a name at the end of the letter. Really? Yeah. I don't think so. I think they did. But if they did, why? 
No, I think that would be too obvious if it was just a misspelling of the the last name. I lost my iPad. <laughs> I know, I'm trying to look it up. And <laughs> I'm just like flipping and not finding anything. Move, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> this is important. This is important. We need to know. Yeah, I swear one of the letters was signed with a name. No, I think it was just initials, because I think I think the reason we got both Crocus with a K and with a C is because when Quill- Quillaren's talking to Celia, um, Quillaren is like, hey, what's that guy's name that Grandma Gage had, like, an affair with? Or, like, not an affair. They're not, neither of them were married, but had, like, a, you know, was maybe a thing with. And uh, Celia says, oh, that's some so-and-so Crocus. And Quillerin is thinking, oh, that's that's a a cuh sound that could be with a K. And so he kind of slyly is like, is that spelled K-R-O-K-U-S? And she's like, no, I think it's C-R-O-C-U-S or however she says. So I think that's why we have both of the spellings in this section, but I don't think it's because. Oh, you're right. He just repeats Grandma Gage's name at the end of the letter. Uh-huh. And then what are the initials? They're W something K, right? It's it actually the ring had two initials on it. Oh, two, two sets of initials. Um, e R G, which isn't Grandma Gage's. Yeah, it is. Euphonia. Oh well, then what's this name in this letter? Sinara. Oh, Sinara was so that was one of Polly's snide comments from the funeral. So Sonara was actually one of the like Italian concertos they were listening to. And mm. Polly makes a comment that's like, oh, of course, like she would be the one that wouldn't. I guess this one piece of music had like a couple different names for it. And one of them was like the Italian name, the fancier name, Sonara. And mm. usually I think it's called just like, you know, concerto in B or like whatever it is. So she was basically, look, she knew enough about music to be like, oh my God, like I roll. Of course, she would pick like the fancier version of it. But I think because Quillerin finds something later with that name, I think it's supposed to point to that, that like she had, like even her funeral was about, you know, how she had the poem for, you know, this other guy and they kind of figured out this was another, um, this was another place where she was pointing to someone else, not Grandpa Gage, because it seemed like that was maybe something that this other person called her or that they listened to together or, you know, kind of something along those lines. Hmm. Gotcha. But to go farther into Quillerin's or, you know, uh, Grandma Gage's last, you know, few months, years of life in the Park of Pink Sunsets and all of her cohorts there, Quillerin becomes extra suspicious of the park of pink sunsets this chapter or this uh section it's true and it's like kind of through this other stuff that he's kind of like oh like i wonder if this person down there is like somehow someone from grandma gage's past but yeah it's also because of the like we mentioned before they make a profit like a weird profit um gouging people on selling the motorhomes back once someone has died Mm-hmm. Um, and they also obviously have, you know, all of Grandma Gage's assets now have been turned over to the Park of Pink Sunsets 
I think there was something else. I know in this one, uh, Junior mentioned that Wilmot, this lawyer, is looking into he, this lawyer in particular, like, I don't think it was even Junior or his siblings were not contesting the will, but this lawyer was, was basically being like, this is too weird and suspicious. Like, I think I am gonna, you know, contest it on my own. So I think that had kind of started the process there. Um, and then we also get in Quillerin's little errands before the snow flies. He, um, oh, shoot. Well, to back up a little bit, because the place this happens is in the hospital. <laughs> um, back up a little bit. So Quillerin has another couple performances of his uh, Burning Man uh, Broadway debut. Um, mm-hmm. the burning of pickaxe of 1969 what what and um so that he i think this one was actually in the church so mm-hmm. um, it's back in the church the church is now ext- well so he had gone back another time the church was so hot because they got the furnace fixed and it was like overcompensating and then when they actually go back to do the the play it's so cold that no one can even like take their jackets off everyone is just like completely freezing um but because it's like it actually was kind of funny because it's like the burning of pickaxe quillerin is up there being like it's so hot oh my god the flames are coming at me in every direction meanwhile like quillerin's in like a t-shirt and it's just like basically in like zero degree weather and it's like freezing his ass off halfway frozen yeah yeah well his whole audience is just like chattering teeth and like it bundled up and so other than that apparently the performance goes well except at the very end the power goes out and it still seems a little suspicious to me although nothing else is revealed about this in uh this this section of the book but Hixie goes down hard and breaks her ankle yeah so they had created like a little stage out of pallets so it's not like super high like I don't know if anyone knows what how high pallets are but there's two stacked on top of each other so like I can imagine she probably twisted her ankle pretty pretty bad like I can see that happening but she wasn't like seriously hurt I just feel like it she like was she not pushed like it was just that typical maybe it was just seemed in my no mind. I think it was just like well I don't know the way I read it it just like got like super dark really fast and everyone was like don't move until we get a candle lit and then you hear like this giant thump so she probably just uh... maybe like took a step and like didn't realize that she was on the edge and like fell true yeah I guess that, that does make sense yeah fine squash all my suspicions <laughs> i mean i didn't read anything nefarious into it because it was just her and quillerin on the stage yeah that's true i guess it just seems so like all of those like murder mystery type like moments were like 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 in clue like the lights go out someone's dead on the floor mm, yeah <laughs> but yeah so hixie goes to the hospital she is taken there by a dashing young doctor yes who happens to be single and she's really excited about it. They do seem to start up a little something something. She moves in with his mom. I know they do. It's really funny. Yeah, she moves in with his mom after leaving the hospital in uh, her like little condo, which I think is like kind of close to the doctors too. And they're like already having Thanksgiving together because we come up on Thanksgiving in this section too. Yeah, it's really funny. And she's like, 
every time Clorin goes to visit her, he's like, are you feeling okay? And she's like, I'm so, like, basically is, like, so happy that she's there because she's met this doctor. Um, but is also in a lot of pain, apparently, too. Well, she does have a broken ankle. Yeah, true. True, true. Um, but but to go back to my other point, Quillerin goes to see her to um he hands her the photos that he's had that coco has been licking and of the people that he's kind of like all oh, these people look vaguely familiar he's kind of shown them around to a lot of people and has been like hey do you recognize anyone here and everyone's like no not really no no um but hixie does hixie looks at it and is like oh actually yeah these people ring a vague bell like leave the photos with me um and i'll keep thinking about it and let you know and so she does let him know. And what the, what Quillerin discovers is that Hixie, God bless her memory. I'm not sure I would have remembered this, but she's like, hey, do you remember back at the preview of Burning Man of 196, you know, 1869, whatever it was, um, there were two gate crashers. There were two people that came in that we were like, we don't know who this is or who these people are. And especially in a small town, that's like, you know, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was suspicious and she was like i think i i think that's them like i think it's those two people just like they were wearing you know weird wigs because that was one of the things that hixie said about the gate crashers which was like oh look at that obvious wig on that person mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um that was really interesting because then quillerin that gave quillerin kind of even more suspicion into the park of pink sunsets because he was like what the fuck are you guys doing this like you know weird couple from this florida retirement home florida retirement mobile home trailer park type situation like what were you doing in pickaxe and so he has another call with celia to kind of bring it up and uh she's like oh yeah you know that's them like they are from you know the north somewhere and quiller is kind of trying to casually be like oh where and she says yeah. like wisconsin well, I, which could be close we don't know we yeah we don't know but i mean he made the point of like no one just kind of like comes through pickaxe like right. it's not on the way to anywhere but i think this was even suspicious timing because wasn't it either like before or like right around the time that grandma gage was discovered dead in her apartment like weren't they gone when she was found oh maybe yeah yeah because if it was the preview then then she would have been found like right after that yeah so she wasn't even dead yet before they were like scoping out her house Oh, right, because that's what Quiller and then eventually is like, because the preview was in Grandma Gage, in the house that Quiller is now living in, which is Grandma Gage's old house. So mm-hmm. he was like, oh, wow, how convenient that they were here right as or right after she has died. And right. And she was like, actually, they were actually in the house, like possibly surveying. Because then that goes too to the common, the like common thread too, and the continuing theme that some random company is buying up houses on Goodwinter Boulevard because at one point in the section Quillerin looks outside and Amanda Goodwinter Jr.'s cousin I believe who we've seen her before she's been out and about she used to date Arch and uh, she's just a wild woman about town who I love <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but she is moving too. And so Quillerin runs out and is like, 
what are you doing? Are you moving? And she's like, Ugh, good riddance. Like I've been wanting to get out of here for a while. And like this company came and, you know, just gave me a good offer. So I'm doing it. And uh, Junior also gets a weird. So Junior has already technically, I think, accepted an offer from a company from Chicago to buy Grandma Gage's house um, without really knowing what they're going to do with it. But um, he, I think, still is holding out hope, hope that they're not going to like demolish it. Um, yeah, and the lawyer next door had an offer on the house, his house too, I think, because that little kid comes by and is like, "We're moving too." Right, right, yeah. The kid, the kid that Quillerin like hates. There was another really awesome uh, interaction with Quillerin and that kid in this section, where Quillerin just like stares at the kid, and the kid is like basically like you know doing normal kid things, and it's just trying to like kind of egg him on, and Quillerin's like, yeah. yeah. okay great I don't want to talk to you (laughs) yeah doing like very shut down you know dialogue type techniques Um, but then we also hear from Junior that so not only are all of these houses getting bought up but Junior has also been contacted by another company that wants to clear out all of the furniture and like all the light fixtures and like which I guess I mean it makes sense like all of that shit's probably really expensive Mm -hmm. and you junior was like super offended and was like you want and i think they were like trying to lowball him and like trying to gut the whole house and he was like how like no how dare you that's like such a no you can't do that and even quillerin when he hears it quillerin's like oh god no that's you know is also kind of offended by that too so that was also really interesting so something is definitely a miss on good winter boulevard he also doesn't tell Polly. He has Junior not tell Polly that the house is being sold yet because Polly is going to be heartbroken. And I, again, think that is not the right choice. You got to tell her because she's got to have time to decide what she's going to do next. Yeah, she's been in that carriage house for a while. So she's got to figure out where she's moving. Yeah. Uh, if their relationship can stand them living together. I know. Oh, my God. I don't know that it can. Yeah, I mean, I think Quillerin was already like, I can't live with her cat, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Those three cats are not going to get along. No, absolutely not. So is Thanksgiving before or after the big snow? Um, that's a good question. I can't remember. After? I think maybe after. After? Yeah. Uh, Before? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Was any okay. did anything exciting? I don't think anything exciting happened on Thanksgiving. No, no, I don't think so. They just have it's like, like a grand description of all the foods, and they all agree not to. Oh, it is is after because they all they make like a pact um, or like a bet that whoever mentions the big snow uh, has to do the dishes at the end. Ah. Um, so the big snow happens first and every, the big snow actually happens. Like they all get super fucking trapped and for like days or maybe even a week, like a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like power's out, water's out, everything's out. It's a disaster. Yeah. I know they're all going stir crazy. Yeah. Well, just move to Albania. And that'll <laughs> help? No, no. If you want, want to know what a big snow and not having power or water for weeks at a time feels like <laughs> I feel like we had that in uh, there were a couple of blizzards when we were at home yeah no that's true if you're on a well your water will also go out if your power goes out so we had 
I like didn't even realize growing up that water and power don't always go out at the same time. <laughs> right. No, Just I yeah, same. Because like when our like back home we have a well and so when the power goes out the pump goes out and so you yep. can't get water. But if you're on city water, then you know, your power goes out. You still have water, which like who knew? <laughs> Oh, I still, there's been one time that the power went out, like, even just really briefly here, and I was like, don't flush the toilet, and everyone was like, why? Why? That's not a thing. It's It's like, oh. Connected to power. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think they're, I don't think they're, well, I don't know what pickaxe water is, but I think their pipes (laughs) were just, like, frozen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I think everything was just kind of, like, ground to a halt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't. I was trying to think. Were there any clues that happened during the snow? Um, Junior's baby was born. Oh God, that got in just on the wire. Yeah, Junior apparently like rushed his wife to the hospital right before, like as the snow started happening, and then he just barely got back home in time to take care of their other kid. So he had like called Quillerin at one point towards the end and was like, "I haven't even seen the new baby yet because I've been like stranded at our house taking care of our toddler." yeah oh and the phone lines went out that was the other thing so it was like a week of just like radio silence from everyone honestly it sounds like hell yeah and apparently it was really funny everyone had um apparently like grand plans of like quillerin was gonna like write all of the copy for all of the articles for the next like you know two months for his column and polly was gonna do all of this reading and all this planning for her library board and like things like that and apparently, like, everyone just went really stir crazy and, like, couldn't do anything. Yeah, which I get. I feel like that happens to me, too, just on a regular basis. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Where I'm like, this weekend I'm going to do all the things. And then it gets to Sunday night and I'm like, did I just sleep through the entire weekend? Like, did I even yeah. leave the house? What happened? Did I watch Big Little Lies for seven hours? I think I did. <laughs> did, did I just binge watch an entire Korean drama? <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> yeah. Do I know Korean now? <laughs> <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happens next? So they got snowed in, they eventually got dug out. Oh, I think there was definitely more with Nancy Fincher because Quillerin sees her a few more times. Well, he sees her for a dog sled ride, a very special dog <gasps> sled ride. Oh, wait, but before that, okay, that's like the denouement. That is like the best part of this entire section. Mm-hmm. But right before that, he does see her a lot more, I forgot, because um, so because Hixie has broken her foot, she now can't help Quillerin with the play. And so... Oh, okay. They do have a number of other performances that they're doing. And so uh, Quillerin, and like it was kind of funny because like Quillerin at, so I guess Nancy was at that um, that performance where Hixie falls. And Quillerin doesn't even go to the hospital with Hixie. He just like goes to the bar with Nancy and is like, oh, we can call the hospital from there. And like they have like a little chat and a talk at the bar. And they do, I mean, they do call the hospital, but they don't get any information. And meanwhile, Quillerin, like, immediately before even knowing Hixie's diagnosis, is like, Nancy, would you want to help with the performance? Or, like, she kind of offers to, but I was like, you're doing this before you even know what's wrong with Hixie. Yeah, well, I mean, it worked out for the best because Hixie can no longer be a part of these performances. Well, it's true, yeah. And it wasn't really dramaful. I just was like, 
Quillerin, I would have been mad. I would have been a little miffed. Yeah, well, I think Nancy was pretty, um, like, she she instigated a little bit, too, because I think she's needing a distraction in her life at the moment. Yeah, so Quillerin doesn't enlist Nancy Fincher to help uh, take Pixie's place and, you know, hit all the music cue or the um, different audio cues they have. And uh, so she does that for, you know, three or so performances that they have before Thanksgiving. And then, yeah, the last thing that happens in this chapter, well, maybe we should mention one other thing. There is one other thing that I um, wanted to mention, which was that, so Celia, this lady who like definitely has a crush on Quillerin from the retirement home that Quillerin has been calling um, very often to get information about Grandma Gage from her uh, under the ruse of writing a profile, which I think he's still going to write a profile on Grandma Gage, but he's been like kind of milking that quite a bit. Um, but he kind of all he gets to the point where he's so suspicious of the Park of Pink Sunsets that he all out accuses the Park of Pink Sunsets and is like to Celia and is like, Celia, I think you live in a little bit of a nefarious place. Like, I'm kind of suspicious that they're, you know, doing some shady shit, especially with this lawyer who's supposed to be, you know, really cheap and like he could be changing everyone's wills and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Nancy freaks out on him and it's like absolutely not how dare you i do not want to speak with you ever again like i thought you were just doing this one nice thing like she goes on and on mm-hmm. and then is like click goodbye yeah but then during the next big well maybe we should tell it like in the in the little bit of the next section because it happens in the next section what happens in the next section well, I guess I'll just say it now. Because um, <laughs> she ends up calling back from a different number. She calls the uh, the newspaper while Quillerin is out doing something that we will tell you in just a moment. Um, and she has a message for Quillerin and she's, she basically tells Arch to tell Quillerin, like, hey, I need to talk to him right now. Like, he needs to call me at this other number. Don't call the other no- the original number that you had. I have something to tell him. Oh, so oh, I missed that part. Did you really? I think I did. Maybe well, I skimmed over it. You were probably too enamored of the other part. There was a lot of other shit happening. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot going down at the moment. I was just too excited about Quillern's new role in town. I know. Do you want to tell us? Uh, yeah. So this was actually an ask <laughs> that happened at thanksgiving dinner oh right yeah it was a he got a phone call like as they were cleaning up um because who was the original who was the original of this i think it's larry Lanspeak who is like always the showboat of the town yeah so larry Lanspeak is unavailable i guess for no he got pneumonia (laughs) Got pneumonia. Well, yeah. that's that's a way of being unavailable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he definitely is still unavailable, but yeah. So Larry Lanspeak got pneumonia and can no longer play good old Chris Kringle in the town <laughs> parade. So Quillerin was asked to be Santa Claus, and it is just the epitome of everything that Quillerin hates. But he yeah. agreed. <laughs> Because that is just what Quillerin does. He agrees to things that he hates and then complains the entire way through. <laughs> and then we get to watch it. 
Yeah, and so it was quite the debacle. I mean, he started out cranky and he ended, like, furious. (laughs) Oh, he ended, like, maybe trying to move to the Park of Pink Sunsets. He was so mad. (laughs) Yeah, he was very unhappy with his role and what was expected of him. Well, also, to his credit, no one told him. What he was told was far different than what actually happened. Yeah, I don't even remember what he was told, but it was just like, yeah, dress up and be Santa. But he ended up having to, like, go. He was, like, in the parade, and he was sledded around by uh, Nancy and her team of dogs (laughs) in the, like, bright sunlight. And he was, like, waving the entire time. But the suit was too small, and so it was, like, cutting off his circulation. So I think... By the end, he was just, like, he couldn't feel his arms, he couldn't see because he couldn't wear sunglasses, and it was just, like, a whole big deal. And then um, he gets to the end, and he's like, thank God it's done, and they're like, um, no way, you still have to give a speech and, like, let children sit on your lap. <laughs> well, also, in Climb, like, they apparently had planned for him to, like, climb to the top of a building, so they were like, oh, no, you still have to, in this really fucking tight suit, climb this, like, fire escape give a speech on top of this building and then go into the like you know macy's or whatever department store is right there and uh right for the next like hour have kids sit on your lap yeah and corin was like excuse me you want me to do what <laughs> yeah and but there was a he, poor he did so he did yeah and there was a poor new character that was a uh, arch riker and Hixie, because Hixie has had a promotion now. Hixie is now the vice president of like marketing or something like that. It's like her shared assistant with um, Arch Riker, who is like there on behalf of both of them. Because I bet neither of them want to like. I mean, Hixie has a. Oh, are you... oh, you want Shadow? Shadow, get out! You're getting food. Mm. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? John just popped the. <laughs> the can thank you bye (laughs) that was really funny he just like cracked the can to be like shadow get out of here and shadow like ran after him (laughs) oh such a pavlovian response yeah um oh we should also mention that this is actually that uh christmas parade that we were talking shit on all the way back at the beginning of this book where they were trying to decide between like a Christmas parade and a restaurant week. And we were like, restaurant week sounds awesome. Why do you want to do a stupid Christmas parade? Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I had to until the very end. And I was like, Oh my God, is this? Cause uh, technically now I think Quillerin's performances are mostly over. He has only has like a couple left. So I think the newspaper was looking for the next thing and they were like, Oh yeah. Remember that? Uh, remember that Christmas parade we were going to do? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so Arch, Arch's and Hixie, granted Hixie had a broken foot, but Arch yeah. and Hixie's shared assistant was there to tell Quiller and all the bad news instead of them. I'm sure Arch especially was just like, no way am I going to be there. <laughs> right. I don't want to deal with Quiller and he's going to be too angry. Yeah, he's probably watching from a safe distance so he could laugh but not have to interact with him. Right. So, yeah, is that where we leave it? Is there anything else? Yeah, I don't think so i can't remember if there was a uh, cliffhanger or not yeah maybe we didn't get a cliffhanger just because we got quiller and as santa (laughs) i think we just got quiller and as santa i think you might be right i think the little uh cliffhangers were more the little things kind of leading up to it like the suspicions of the park of pink sunsets oh actually the the um the cliffhanger could have been celia calling because he hasn't answered that call yet he just tells uh arch to call her back and tell him 
or sorry, tell Celia to call Polly's house because I think he knows Polly or I think he's hoping Polly's home because at the beginning of the parade, he's like, oh, my God, I hope Polly's not here and I hope she's not going to see me like this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things there was that he hadn't quite heard from her yet, but it definitely seemed like, you know, maybe they were even tapping all the residents phones at the park of pink sunset so she was like oh i you know i can't you know she had to act a certain way and then was calling him back to be like oh i have actual information yeah oh did uh, you hear that oh yeah what was that that was mushu oh mushu mush oh is it second dinner time for him me no it's uh pet me time oh yeah, we're at dinner time over here. Oh, yes. Dinner, dinner. Well, I guess that's it. Did we do it? I think we did it. I think we did it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, yeah. Yeah. We will be back next time with, ooh, ooh, the dramatic conclusion. Do we have any? I feel like this one, this section especially has been kind of all over the place. It doesn't feel like the next section is going to be the actual end of the book. I know. Yeah. What are we wrapping up here? Just Grandma Gage's, well, we have to figure out what happened to Gill Inch Pot. We need to figure right. out what happened with Grandma Gage's will. Right. And if it's all connected somehow. Yeah. Oh, like, because what if? What if? No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try to say, like, what if Grandma Gage had another kid with her secret lover, farm lover, who was somehow related to the inch pots? I mean, she did. Well, it wasn't like an. Uh, yeah, I can't. Why was she at that horse farm? I forget. They do say, but I forget why. It was something that, yeah, like. I forget why, and I forget for how long. Yeah. I don't think it was, I think it was like a summer. I don't think it was like a long, long time. No. Well, there was uh, one other like suspicious connection because that Quillerin kind of like is thinking about looking into because Grandma Gage uh, her like all of her assets were liquidated and then she like the lawyer can't find them. Like, he can't find proof that she was worth anything, which is, like, oh. because she was worth a lot before. And everyone was like, why are we... Because that was why Junior was like, I don't know if we're going to contest the will. We can't even, like, figure out if she was worth enough to, like... Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. all of this. Um, and the lawyer's having a hard time tracking her uh, her, her money. Hmm. And Quillerin's like, what are you talking about? Like, she was worth so much. And if she liquidated all of her assets, she would be worth, like, millions. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure out where that money went. And um, Quillerin was like, maybe, like, this is going to sound crazy. But, like, recently, Nancy said that her dad was making a lot of, like, farm improvements and getting money from somewhere. But she couldn't figure out where he was getting the money from. Right. So Quillen was like, would it be crazy if, like, something was connected here? But we haven't looked into it yet. Yeah, true. Because there is still that connection that Grandma Gage does know them through Gil Inchpot's wife. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, what other connection could be there that would warrant, like, yeah, giving out a certain amount of money? 
Yeah, it's also, it's interesting. We shall see what comes up next time. I definitely think something shady. I agree with Quiller. And so I think something shady is happening at Park of Pink Sunsets. Yeah, for sure. I think we're definitely going to find out a little bit from Celia. I think I've, I've flipped around. I just wanted her to be a bad guy more than I think she is. I think she is fine. But I think she will yeah. tell us. I think, oh, do you think we'll find out what Quiller went to the lawyer for earlier? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I feel like that's going to be just, like, something... I wonder, I wonder, honestly, if, like, maybe Quillerin is the company from Chicago that's buying Grandma Gage's house and he's going to, like, turn it into a museum so that Polly can stay there and he can go back to his apple orchard or, you know, his apple barn or whatever. Mm, you think so? But he doesn't have money himself. It's all in the Klingenschgone fund. So wouldn't he have to go through that? But he always talks to lawyers before he talks to the Klingenschgone fund. Cause that, well, but doesn't, yeah, it's a different lawyer though. He has someone that's like his lawyer and also the executor of like the Klingenschgone fund. So that like, he always goes to that person. Do you think he's going to propose to Polly and merge their assets? <laughs> there definitely has been like weird talk of that, even though both of them are like, no, I don't want that. But yeah. in this world, apparently for them in order to move in together they do have to be married so maybe they're pulling like a going to the courthouse type situation yeah maybe oh well we still have so this will probably finish i would guess around christmas or uh either christmas eve when arch gets married so i wonder if they are going to take him up on that double wedding double wedding oh we'll find out bring it back around to the beginning i just got terrified of a bug but it was a ladybug not a cockroach oh well also bring it back around (laughs) oh god it's flying oh god all right well we will find hopefully all the answers next week for you or next time for you and uh in the meantime wish julia well with her war against the bugs (laughs) (laughs) this one's just a ladybug guys don't worry about it it's still scary but i'm not gonna hurt it (laughs) okay good don't hurt that no it's just gonna live in my room until it dies naturally but i'm sure it can find something to eat (laughs) i'm I'm not gonna help it but i'm not gonna hurt it (laughs) you're gonna be neutral i'm gonna be neutral chaotic neutral chaotic neutral (laughs) all right well uh yeah thanks again guys and pet your cuties for us and your cockroaches. Oh my god. Just kidding, don't touch those. <laughs> don't. Don't do it. Oh, and also thanks again to all the patrons and to Vicky and Katie. Uh, you guys are great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, bye. Bye.